Let's just get this kicked off in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy that you have showed towards us. We're so thankful for the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that has redeemed us unto God. Your word says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And just as our children have sang, my Redeemer lives, we declare that our Redeemer liveth. We thank you because of that, our life has been redeemed from destruction. We've been brought into relationship with you. And so we ask you today, Holy Spirit, to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, yourself, Holy Spirit, that we might truly understand what we've been redeemed from, but we have been redeemed to a relationship with you in all of its fullness and all of its goodness. So bring wisdom and revelation to us. I thank you that you're here in the form of the teacher and the guide, but also the anointing to destroy every yoke of bondage. I thank you that you're present today to have an encounter with every single person here. You know their situations of life, you know uh, their finances, you know family situations, you know what they're dealing with in their emotions and their minds. Meet them as only you can. That every single person will have an encounter with you as the guide and the teacher, but also your anointing coming upon them to destroy yokes of bondage. As they're released from that, that anointing remains upon them to go out and to minister to others with the anointing of the Spirit of God. And so we thank you for our redemption. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for doors of utterance being opened today that I might speak as we ought to speak. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to us, Holy Spirit. As you work in our hearts and our lives, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and all the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished by your word and your spirit in every heart and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that is in me. Say it with a little more gusto. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. Once again, welcome. So glad that you are here this morning. Uh, really, we're at the beginning of a, a, a great week. Um, uh, you know, every single uh, week should be great as we are believers. We should celebrate uh, the resurrection uh, knowing that we're followers of Christ and what he's done for us, we celebrate every week. But there's many people out there who don't know, who aren't walking in, that during this week, they're more aware of God and the things of God focusing towards Easter than ever before. So that gives us great opportunity to share with people what Jesus has done for them. And so, uh, uh, you know, I just ask you, challenge you to be aware of people around you we talk about things today to allow God to process in your heart so that there's an awareness of what really God has called you to, the ministry that you have concerning people around you, uh, opening in the eyes of our understanding what their condition is and what a great opportunity it is to share Jesus Christ and what he's done around the celebration of Easter. And so even at that on Saturday when we have our Easter egg hunt, uh, you know, sometimes people understand, sometimes they don't, but our whole goal is uh, not just to have a fun day, but to draw people from our community, be able to meet them, greet them, ask them back to minister the gospel to them uh, on Sunday, Easter Sunday. And so we've seen many, many people give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ because they have come to the Easter egg hunt over the years, stayed for Sunday service, heard the gospel, and prayed that prayer to ask Jesus Christ into their heart. So invite people to come, and uh, uh, I believe that uh, God's going to do great things. And uh, he's called you to great things. He's called you to magnificent uh, uh, things far beyond what you have even thought of at this point in your life. Uh, uh, really exceedingly, abundantly above 
what we could ask, hope, dream, or even think. And there's a way and a, a process by which he does that. And so we have uh, been in a series of messages that we've entitled Foundations. And as we launched out into the, that series of messages, we have been going off of our foundational text, which is Galatians chapter 5, the, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 5, uh, the end of that, and the beginning of uh, chapter 6 in verse 1. And so he says in the end of 5, he says, you ought by this time to be teachers of other people. You should be bold in your faith and the knowledge of God. But he says, at this time, you really st still need milk. You're just looking for another word, another teaching, another thing, when really we should be in this place of understanding and building a supernatural life. Somebody say supernatural life. Supernatural. We should be living a, building a supernatural life. We shouldn't be living as just mere men and women caught up in the every flow but we are God-men, God-women, born again of the Spirit of God. And so, because we're born again of the Spirit of God, we're building a supernatural life, not just a natural life. We're not just hoping to live and get by until we die and then go to heaven. No, we're, we're looking to participate in the life of God, life with God, life from God, which is supernatural life that expounds and explodes in, in, in incredibly uh, uh, awesome ways. And, and so, really, he said there's a place where we should be living in this, but we're not he said, the one who is immature is really basically, he says, you've heard the word, you, you want another teaching, you have uh, some itching ears. But he said, the one who's mature, that by reason of use, putting the word into practice, his senses, your physical senses, are trained to know good and evil, to make right decisions. And then he says, so we ought to not just be hanging around debating uh, over and over again, tearing up and laying again the very first principles or foundational principles of Christ, but we should be building or we should be going on and building up off of the foundation. Because the definition of a foundation is really the, the, the solid groundwork or, or the, the, the rock or concrete wall that holds an edifice. And so when Jesus came into your life, he had a plan of building a really big life, a life that wasn't just surrounded by yourself. It wasn't for me. It wasn't just all about me, but my life could expand out to include others, to see others, really to see something uh, bigger and greater. And he said, you're going to have to lay this foundation and then build on it. And so many Christians find their life uh, in any situation, tragedy, storms of life, financial difficulty, marital difficulty, their life just kind of coming apart, even as Christians coming apart. And simply it's because we weren't built on the proper foundation. We didn't remain in that place uh, of humility towards God and faith towards God and understanding that we're encompassed in him. We're not out in the world and of the world, but we're baptized into Christ. The Holy Spirit of God uh, is our strengthener and our guide in every situation of life. Uh, you know, as we, we will continue to, to, to talk about it and look at it, you know, there's laying on of hands. Uh, there's the resurrection of the dead, which we'll talk about next week. Thank God. I love Easter and the resurrection. And uh, then he says, really basic foundational is eternal judgment. We don't talk about that very much. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Um, uh, eternal judgment, which is really, it's cool. We're like, uh. but listen, when you understand everybody's going to be judged, but you've laid a good foundation and built that the day of judgment, you will have confidence and not fear. Yeah. Confidence and not fear. 
And so, you know, praying this week, I really entered into this part, this subject, and, and broke off of the norm there uh, from uh, Hebrews chapter 6 for just a moment. And I believe this foundational principle is actually, the foundational principle would be like the piers that have to go deep and hit really the bedrock of anything that needed to be solid. This goes down. It's also got components that not only would it be the pier to go the deepest that it could go, but it's also the forms that really form up your foundation that you pour all these other things into. You pour these other basic principles into to form that foundation. It also has substance to frame up your life and really finish out your life to a completeness. This is a valuable understanding of this. It's something that we hear about a lot, but yet I want to encourage you today, and really as we go through a number of scriptures, write them down. You know, we should do this somewhat every week, but I want you to meditate on this because I believe with all of my heart that right now the things that God has called us to, and we've been in prayer, group, uh, uh, corporate prayer every morning from Monday through Wednesday uh, uh, for months now. And we come to this point of, of pushing through what God has said in a supernatural life and a supernatural church. And he continue, we continue to come on this point that we know that when this is really grown and come into fruition, there is going to be a free flow of miracles. And really, it's a building of a supernatural life that each and every one builds a supernatural life, not just a natural life. But as we do, we are individual stones, building blocks that all of a sudden, like bricks, when we lay over on that foundation, now we build that church, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid, a refuge in a place where we're not just going out, but we're drawing people in to a place where the glory and the, the goodness of God can be seen, where it can be declared. And through that declaration, signs and wonders confirm the word that's being preached, but there has to be a free th flow through the body. Even today, something supernatural is going on that we don't understand because if we don't really grasp the understanding of the body, that something is going on that John said, when we dwell together in unity, when we come together around the fellowship of Jesus Christ, then the blood of Jesus flows through the body and cleanses us of all sin. There's people here that have things in their life that as we're in unity and we're praising God, there is a supernatural moving that helps people be cleansed from what they've done and step out and equipped to not go backwards but go forwards. And it's everybody's participation that creates a flow but there are things that can stop up that flow, just like in your body. And if there was a clot that stopped up the flow, you would be in danger in your health. And so God wants to keep it moving. He wants to keep it clear. He wants to keep it clean. And so as we're building and we're looking at that, and sometimes we can get labored down, you know, as we're talking about building a supernatural life and say, oh, oh here I got to build again. Well, I just want to encourage you with this. Matthew chapter 16 Matthew chapter 16, Jesus, uh, as many of you know, we started with this particular scripture. He said, uh, uh, went to his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? They said, great prophet, teacher, Isaiah, uh, you know, uh, uh, John the Baptist raised from the dead. And he, he, he asked him another question, who do you say that I am? And really, I believe in our life to have a supernatural life and ministering to other people, we have to look out and understand who people are saying that Jesus is. Whether they even know him or saying that he's anything. But once we look at that and we go, man, the world's in big trouble, we have to come back to ourselves and say, who do we say that he is? Who do we see, say that he is? Who do we let him be in our life? And Peter piped up at that moment. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I no longer call you Simon, but Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. He said, Upon this revelation of who I am, what I've done for you, and the hum- what I've done for humanity, I'll build my church. And the devil won't be able to prevail against what I am going to build in individual lives and what I'm going to build in the church, if there's revelation. And so I pray that even though we're going to talk about some things that you've heard before, I've prayed for you that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of this subject today, that he'll show you something that you've not yet seen, he'll open up something that you've not yet seen by revelation. That as you grasp it, you don't leave here with any apprehension. You're like, I got that, and the devil's not taking that from me. This is going to be foundational for me to build a supernatural life on, and I'm going to increase upon it, and the devil will not be able to stop me in this area of my life. Psalms 127 in verse 1. Praise the Lord. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. He said, listen, we can just keep trying to build a supernatural life. But unless Jesus is building that in our life. And he says, when I build, when I bring revelation to you and I look to build things in your life, the devil can't stand against it. But if you're just trying in your own self, you'll find out that it comes apart because it's not a good foundation and you didn't cooperate with the master builder. In other words, you thought, you know what? Code says this, but I don't think it's necessary. I don't need those hurricane clips. Seems like a waste of time and overkill. And then the hurricane comes and it blows off. You're like, what happened? Well, somebody knew something more than you did. When we're talking about building a supernatural life, Jesus knows how to build a supernatural life. And so unless he's building, unless we're allowing him by his spirit to build this supernatural life, we are laboring and we get tired and we wonder, why isn't anybody noticing and what's going on here? But all of a sudden when Jesus and the Holy Spirit are building and we're cooperating with them, that they are, we understand that they are working in us every day to will and to do of their good pleasure. And what he started in transforming and building a supernatural life, the day that we got born again, he will be faithful to finish it. From the foundation to the roof, he's going to be faithful to finish it. But we have to begin to get on and work with him to work out our salvation. So that it all can be manifest in this glorious supernatural life through relationship with Jesus Christ, can not only be realized by us, the fulfillment of it, but seen by others, that they might run unto him and his goodness seen through us. So turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. We're going to talk about the love of God. Very foundational thing. Thank you for your enthusiasm. See, we hear so much about the love of God that we begin to assume, yeah, 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 why are we talking about that? It's the most important thing for a believer to know. We have so much even in the church today where people are tormented in their mind. They're struggling in their hearts. They're laboring over certain things. And they could say, I know God loves me, but they don't know God loves them. 
Come on, there's a knowing. I've heard God loves me and I made him the Lord of my life. But then, you know what? We pray and we say, well, I don't know if this is going to happen because I've made a ton of mistakes and I've done all that. Or we get discouraged because look at all I've done and I deserve better than I'm getting. And when you get that stuff working in you, man, I deserve better than I'm getting right now. Or I don't even know if God will listen to me because I haven't done enough. You don't know the love of God. We begin to compare ourselves with others and by ourselves uh, and make that comparison. Well, if it was me, I would have done that. You don't know the love of God. We begin to compare ourselves by ourselves. So again, I encourage you, and I've been praying for revelation for all of us because I know it's a key to your supernatural life opening up and how you see others and how you minister to others by the call of God, how we as a church grow and see signs, wonders, and miracles. It's such a, 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 not to just grasp it mentally, but to know it experientially, to know what he's done for us because of his great love for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul is praying for them here. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love. He says, I'm praying that you would be so rooted and grounded, so rock solid in the fact that God loves you and the love that God has shown towards you in Christ Jesus, that nothing at any time, anywhere, in any place, no inflation, no tragedy, no loss, no war could ever get you so questioning that you are like, I don't even know if I can serve God anymore. But with the Apostle Paul, we say, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principality, nor things present, or things to come, neither life, nor death, nor, nor any other thing, famine, peril, nakedness, or sword, nothing in this whole world could separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Come on, we let too many things separate us because we're not grasping and have a revelation of his love for us. The Good News Translation says it like this, and I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts through faith. I pray that you may have your roots and your foundation in love. Your roots and your foundation in love. That you are rock solid, totally connected to the heart of God through love. So we're going to talk about just a few things here. And I believe there's a, a part and a progression for us to grasp a hold of as we begin to look at it. And the number one thing is that we need to know his love for us. We need to know his love for us. And so I know that you, many of you know this scripture. It's John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't end there. He went, God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Yet, for some reason, over the 2,000 years, people have got this idea that Jesus came to bring judgment upon people who were messing up. He didn't. He knew everybody messed up. He came into the world to save, up, save us from our mistakes and our mess-ups. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul said, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, right, because of his great love, I like to amplify it, it says, but God, so rich is he in mercy, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. 
Come on, have you yet experienced the great and wonderful and intensity of his love? Come on, just think about it. Oh, yeah, I know God loves me, but have you experienced the intensity of his love? Because of that intense love, when we did not know him, we didn't care if we knew him, we were dead, separated from him in our sin, he said, I know you, and I love you, and there's only one way for us to be together, and that is for Jesus to come and to die for you. And he took that, and he executed it perfectly for you because he loves you. And so, you know, I'm going to use this analogy. It might come out a little bit weak, but I couldn't get free from it. I thought, God, do you really want me to share that? And I just couldn't get free from it. So if I miss it, I miss it. But, you know, I was thinking about this great love and knowing the love of God for us and what the Bible says about that. And so, you know, uh, years ago, uh, Tasha, when her family moved here, and they, they began to come to church. Not long after that, I became aware of the fact that she liked me a lot. <laughs> and uh, she told her best friend, and it really wasn't very long into knowing me, she told her best friend, uh, she was going to marry me. And she had that from, from God in prayer, she was going to marry me. Well, I heard that, and I didn't really care what she thought. In fact, in my mind, I'm going the other direction. There's a number of reasons for that. She's quite a bit younger than I am. And uh, beyond being younger than I am, she was in my youth group, which that's like, you know, when I went to Bible school, that was like a sin. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, she may love me, but I don't care if she loves me and I don't care if I know her. Uh, you know, she's a youth in the youth group. Praise the Lord. I love her in that way. But, you know, this other deal, not so. And so, you know, she just had it in her heart. So she persisted. And she made ways and avenues to be around me. And most of them, she found out this particular thing. They lived in Rifle. And, you know, I was working on building a youth group and that. And I'm just single, so I got all the time in the world. And so she would call and she would say, my little sister and I, we would like to come to youth group, but we don't have a ride And there were some other kids that were coming from that end, so I thought, well, I can make one swoop and, and pick them up. And so, you know, she was actually, she was one of the best helpers in the youth group. I mean, whenever we did something, she would volunteer to help, and generally, whatever it is that I was working on was where she put the most help and effort into. <laughs> we went camping one time, and she'd been to youth with a mission, and so she knew how to put up tents, and man, she was the, the, the quickest. We'd, I'd break out a new tent, and she'd start on that, and she'd get going. So I'd think, I'm going to go to this tent. And pretty soon she'd tell them how to put up that tent and then help me put up this tent. <laughs> Come on, I'm fully aware. For anybody who's doubting and going, oh, poor Tasha, she will get the mic one day. I'm fully aware of that. That's, that's fine. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'd go pick them up in, in, in rifle, and uh, she would make sure that, you know, I had a, I had a uh, more of a luxury car at that time I had, and a bench seat. So she would always make sure, even if I had somebody first and they got out to say hi and stuff, whew, she was right in the middle of that bench seat. <laughs> and so, 
So, you know, I mean, this just went on, and she would help, and she got around me. And, and just through the influence of her pursuit, I begin to realize she really does like me. And the farther it got, I thought, you know, she likes me a lot. And then I began to pray about it, and I thought, God, do something about this. Because uh, uh, what I've been told, this is not supposed to happen. Like, she's in my youth group. But, you know, God didn't do anything about it. And all of a sudden, I started, like, she really likes me. And because she, we, we spent that time together, and I got to know her and got to know her heart, and her heart for me, my heart started to connect to her. And all of a sudden, before you know it, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I think I love her. We go back to what was at the very beginning in her mind was, I love you, and we're going to make a covenant together. And we're going to spend the rest of our life together. And we're going to build a life together. And I thought, you want me to share that? And God said, well, isn't that how I love people? Even when they don't care if they love me, I am in hot pursuit of them. You know, her friend that she told that came up to me one day and said, she said something like, it was weird, I can't remember, it was a long time ago. Uh, she said something like, congratulations or something like that. I was like, Dolly, what are you talking about? She goes, Tasha said you guys are going to get married. I was like, huh? <laughs> but, but that's the way God is. He'll, he'll send his friends to say, congratulations, what are you talking about? You're going to be married to Jesus one day. You're going to be in a covenant with Jesus one day. And he'll find ways to sit right in your center seat. He doesn't want to sit in the back seat. He doesn't even want to ride shotgun. He actually is going to sit on your lap. We didn't even, well, yeah. Uh, praise the Lord. I mean, just be so close to you as only he can be. And he's going to pursue you until you realize, you know what? I think that's right. He loves me. He loves me. And he'll start to work in your heart. If you'll even give that thought, he loves me. Until you say, you know what? I think I'm going to receive that love. And I'm going to love him back. And I'm going to enter into a covenant with him. And through that covenant, we are going to build a supernatural life together. Many people aren't building that life because they're still, like, not sure. Because of relationships you've had that might not have been like that, you're like, yeah, that, I didn't have that. And I'm not sure that God loves me and wants to really get close to me, but I'm telling you today that he does. And when you can know that and understand that to that degree and stop for a minute and behold that love. Really, I had to do that as even as I prayed and said, God, I'm a little bit fearful of this, this girl who loves me. I'm kind of fearful of this. 
I had to stop and think about it and say, what's the pros? What's the cons? God, what do you want? What are you doing here? Are you doing it? Are we doing it? Who's doing it? But I had to behold that. And so 1 John chapter 3 tells us to do this so that we get beyond just, I know God loves me, but to begin to really see what he did. It says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. He doesn't say, just say, oh yeah, I know that. He said, stop. Take some time out of your busy life simply to behold what kind of love this was. It wasn't a love that was reciprocated because I did something great. It wasn't done because I did, you know, I needed so much uh, love. It, it wasn't done like humans do it. It was something that I was apart from him. I didn't know him. And he still made me his son. Behold what manner of love the fathers bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. He said, therefore, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now, somebody say now. now. Now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when, we, when he is revealed, we will be like him. It says, entering into this covenant, him in us and us in him, it's going to build a supernatural life that the person that we were under sin is going to begin to wash away. And a brand new kind of being, a new birth comes forth that looks like him. Because after all, he's called us to be sons and daughters of God. And Jesus is the son of God. And so our life and our nature from his love becomes more like him. For we should see him as he is. And he says, everyone who has this hope, everyone who looks and says, this is that hope. And without hope, without knowing, wow, Tasha loves me and I'm starting to love her. I bet we can build an awesome life together, that the two of us can be better together than I could be on my own. To look and say, man, I see what Jesus has done for me, and I'm giving it all up right here. I'm coming into this covenant relationship with God because I'm better with him than I am without him. I become more like him with him than I ever could be without him. And now I have a hope that causes me to start to put aside the past and the mistakes so that I emerge from that place being more like him. He says, knowing how much God loves you creates this hope of being different and being released from sin in its entirety. Never to go back. Never to let the enemy once again ransack your life. To know him is to know that he is on your side. Man, I'm so thankful that Tasha's on my side. If I ever think she's against me, we have trouble. I mean, we're going to have trouble. She's my partner in life, that she's for me. She's a Proverbs woman. She does me good and not evil all the days of her life. Thank God I have confidence in her. I have confidence in that. My heart safely trusts in her. It says when we know this love of God, we know he's for us. He's not against us. Romans 8 says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Says he already, he goes on to say, he, he manifested his love for us. He already proved that he loved us. He already showed his love. Sometimes we're like, if God loves me, then why is this happening? 
There's not a question if God loves you. There's not a question out there at all. There shouldn't be a question in our mind if God loves me. But that's a distinction of our thinking, not God's. Right? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's why this is happening. That's why this challenge. The enemy's come to destroy what God is building. He's come to take away from you what Jesus has provided for you. He's ever working to try to kill, steal, and destroy. That's why it's there. Not because God doesn't love you, but because the devil hates you. And to settle, God loves me, all of a sudden we come into a new place, which actually it should have been translated like this. Not if God is for you, who can be against you, but since God be for you, who could successfully be against you? And so instead of getting into that mindset and letting the devil go, if God loved me, why is this happening? We stop and say, wait a minute, that's wrong thinking. Since God loves me, when this happens to me, it will not be successful in its endeavor to destroy my life, my marriage, my calling. He cannot win. Because God's for me. Not if God is for me, but he is for me. Well, how do you know? Because he loves me and he sent Jesus to die for me. And he already proved he's on my side. He's my helper. What could man do to me? He's my helper. What can man do to me? Praise the Lord. Come on, God's good. God's good. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. Come on, when you know God loves you, you know you're going through. The enemy's not going to have that place. So the first thing that we really understand and we know is how much God loves us. He's on our side. Listen to what the Message Bible says about this, uh, Romans 8, 31. It says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Come on, once we settle, God's on our side, God loves me. Not, I know God loves me, but I know God loves me. He's on my side. I've got the God of the universe on on my side. And not only on my side, I am his child. And he is my father. And the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who led captivity captive, he led a triumphal parade, making a display of every principality and power, rendering them weaponless. He's on my side. The Holy Spirit of God, the one that hovered over the face of the deep at creation and the one that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in me and he's on my side. How do you know that? Because I know God loves me. Well, how do you know that? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
Come on. We got it when we were little. Jesus loves me. And when we know that he loves us, then we have to embrace his love for us. And embracing his love for us, number one, we need to know his love for us. Number two, we need to embrace his love for us. And embracing his love for us, we increase our capacity. We increase our capacity. So often, we don't know it. We're subtly getting selfish. We're worrying about this person did this to me and that person offended me and nobody's recognizing me and all that stuff. And we think we're looking and it seems like it's getting so busy and so many things are happening. But really, our life is shrinking down. And when you shrink your life down, life gets really busy. We're all running around in the busyness of life. We're like, we're running, 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 running. But we're not necessarily being more productive. Why? Because we've been concerned. Are we going to make it to the next day? Are we going to make the bills? Are we going to make? Are we going to make? Are we going to make? But when the love of God comes into our hearts, we begin to look at others. And we think if I look at others, things are going to get much more busy, but they're not because things open up. So wait a minute, I won't have enough time. Sure, you learn to manage your time because it's not all about everything that's happening to you. You start moving beyond that. That doesn't create the busyness and stress of the mind. That opens up, and now you see others, and you start to be able to reach out to them and see the avenues that we can. And so Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, uh, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length, the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. He said, listen, the love of God is so big. It has a depth, a breadth, a length, and a height. Our love just says, if you do good for me, I can do good for you. If you do bad for me, I'm out. That's what the Bible says. But he said, there's so much more to the love of God that opens up. If you're going to live like somebody left the gate open, you're going to have to embrace the love of God. Because that's what opens up the gate, that you might experience more than you've ever thought. Because this is when we embrace this love, we are filled with the fullness of God. And it goes on to say, now... Somebody say now. He says, once we've embraced this love of God and the knowledge of this love of God experientially, not in our mind, he said, now God will be able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ever asked, hoped, dreamed, or thought. God, now that you're filled with him and his goodness and confidence of his love, he said, I can take you wherever I need to take you. I can bring you in front of great men, great women. I can take you in front of somebody who's down and destitute. It doesn't matter whether they're high class, low class, mean and nasty, or loving. I can take you wherever. I need you to go exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think and release power and love through you to make a dynamic change and a significant change in people's lives. And we're always like, well, God's on my side and I'm thinking about a million dollar house. Well, you know, he can give you a million dollar house, but he's thinking different. And as soon as we find his love, we start thinking like he does. He'll blow our minds. Next thing, when we brace his love for us, it stirs a new expectancy. We don't get stuck in a rut. It stirs expectancy. Romans 5, 5 says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God. He says he's talking about we, have, we develop character, we go through difficult times, but we have an expectation of the revealing salvation in us, dealing with every trouble and maturing us. We have an expectation, not of the old man and how he handled it, but the new man in Christ, being able to do all things that God has called us to do. Everything through Christ who strengthens us. The Message Bible says it like this. In alert expectancy such as this, we are never left feeling shortchanged. Have you ever felt shortchanged? Thank you for your enthusiasm. 
Everybody's like scratching their head. Now, wait a minute. Now, when we really understand the love of God, we're never left feeling like I got the short end of the stick. Come on, it doesn't matter what happens in this life when you're like, wow, I got the short end of the stick. Look at those people. You never got the short end of the stick. God loved you. Jesus died for you. Getting the short end of the stick is going to help. That's not good. All right, never shortchange. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. When we embrace his life, it causes faith to function at its highest level. Causes faith to function at its highest level. We're trying to say, I did this and I did that and I did this, so God, I have the right to believe you for something. But in Galatians 5, 6, it says, circumcision or uncircumcision, whether you did it or you didn't do it, doesn't avail for anything but faith working by love. When you understand the love of God, you trust him with everything you are and everything that you have because you know he loves you and you've embraced that and he has you on his mind and he has your best interests at heart. So how do I know that? Because when you were apart from him, he knew your eternal destiny and he gave Jesus to turn that around for your best interests. He already proved it. We embrace this love of God it causes us to have wisdom and knowledge in our decision-making. When you're selfish, you never make the right decision. Selfishness does not make the right decision, but the love of God does. Philippians 1.9, Paul was praying for the church at Philippi, and he said this, he said, this I pray, that your love, that, that love there is not uh, phileo or another Greek, Greek word, it is agape. He said, this now, this love of God that shed abroad in your heart, that you possess right now through the new birth, he said, I pray that it would abound yet more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you might approve what is excellent and be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. When you're in love with God and you know that he's in love with you, you make decisions based on that relationship and that love rather than what you want and what you need. Is the decision I'm about to make going to fulfill me more but take me away from God? Or fulfill me less? It's really a matter of is what I'm going to do right now drawing me closer to God or drawing me away from God? I won't do anything that takes me away from God. It helps your decision-making. Number three, we need to understand and release the expression of our love for him. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And again, that word if puts a big question mark on it, but really it should say this, since you love me, keep my commandments. It keeps us, just that little simple word can keep us from saying, well, I got to prove his love. I got I to do this. I don't really want to, but I got to do this so I prove that I love him. He said, no, you got to back that up. It'll always be hard for you until you really experience my love, and then you'll release it in an expression of your love towards me. Philippians 2, 2 says this, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. We get caught in that place of wearing out, going, why do I always have, why is it always about somebody else? Well, God's really made a great provision. When it's about somebody else, for you, he'll bring somebody that you're about for them. Well, I've done a lot, and nobody's really come to my door. Well, just hang on. 
Come on. When you get in that place, all of a sudden you lose sight of the love of God and you get in on what people are doing rather than what God is preparing for you. 1 John 5, verse 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, well, I got to do this for God to prove I love him. No, he says, when you love God, his commandments. There's a number of things that we can do, but the number one thing that he says is to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The next commandment is like this, to love your neighbor as yourself. Which, generally speaking, even though you would deny it, and I would deny it, can become the most challenging thing that we encounter in life, is loving our neighbor as we found that God loves us and we love ourselves. Because they've got all kinds of things that make it hard to love them. But he said, it won't be hard to love them when you know how much I love you, then you'll know how much I love them. When you embrace how much I love you, you express that back to me by loving others. And he said, when that becomes burdensome, we're not quite there yet. But when it's like, I'm in. He said, you know the love of God's got a hold of you. And lastly, fourth thing, the love of God. Create a confidence in him. A confidence in him. 1 John 4, 17 says, love has been perfected or completed among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. We live in a day where there's fear, and in the last of the last days, the Bible says that people's hearts will even fail them because of fear. But as we come into the day that we live in in our generation, no matter what it is, we embrace the love of God, and it casts out all fear. One of the things that we, we deal with so often in our, our, our society is, you know, a fear of acceptance, a fear of what, what people think of us, a fear of, you know, such insecurity in our life. Sometimes we deal with a poor self-image, but it says when we behold the love of God, we know we're changed in the same image. Through the love of God, we have a different image of ourself. Through the love of God, insecurities and, and feelings of inadequacy go away. Those things that torment us through fear are washed away by the love of God. And the reason is because fear has torment. God never created us to be tormented by fear. He who fears has not been perfected or completed in the love of God. We love him because he first loved us. Come on, I love Tasha because she first loved me. Come on, she didn't love me first. I might be married to somebody else. But she loved me first. God loved me first. It's too often that we get in this place of like, God... God, I've done so much for you. God, I showed my love for you. We stop and realize, wait a minute, I've not done near what he's done for me. I love him because he loved me. But embracing that love washes out fear, and it gives us confidence in the day of judgment. When we stand before him and we see him and we're like, it's true, I'm like you. There's no fear of that judgment, is there? So this is the form for every foundation. Every principle. See, when we talk about repentance from dead works, people struggle with that. How am I going to turn? How am I going to leave that behind? And how am I? I'm turning to religion. 
But when you know how much God loves you, you're turning from something that was destructive, turning into the arms of the one who loves you more than anyone ever could or anyone ever will. It's not hard to repent from dead works when you know God loves you. When you know that God loves you and he already gave his life for you and that with Christ Jesus, he's endeavoring to get everything you need to you, it's not difficult to have faith in him. He's already proven how much he loves you. And then to understand the love of God is he didn't leave you out there somewhere struggling for yourself, but he baptized you into himself. He immersed you into his very life, his very being. He puts you under the shadow of his wings to protect you, to keep you, to, to sustain you. And he surrounded you with the power of his Holy Spirit and the life of the Holy Spirit because he loves you. When we understand that love and we begin to release it, we begin to stretch forth his hand in love to others to release that power. Not because of how it will reflect upon us, but we know the mighty power of God and the love that he has bestowed upon us. We stretch out that laying on of hands, that last building block of foundation that Hebrews talks about is eternal judgment. We know that everybody's going to be judged. We will stand at that judgment seat of Christ. But John just wrote there, he said, through the love of God, we have this confidence in him. We have a great confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Because we've allowed the love of God to pour over us, to move into us, to embrace it. We've embraced it and we've allowed it to change our life and flow through us to others. And in that, we are building a supernatural life. That not only will we enjoy the supernatural power of God in building our life, but we will release supernatural power to those around us that they might know that goodness and that love of God. It's the most foundational thing that we can have to our faith. I want to challenge you this week as we move to Easter and even beyond to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13 and not read over it like you know it, like you can recite it, but to begin to read, to meditate on it. What does it mean? It's an outline. These are things that love does do, and these are things that love doesn't do. I would do it from the Amplified Bible. Makes it a little easier to meditate. It breaks it down. Do I have an account of a wrong that I've done to somebody? Well, then how can I say that I'm walking in the love of God? If I'm being patient and kind, if I know that I'm bearing up under the pressure of life with him, that I'm believing the best about things that are to come, that I'm enduring the situations of life with joy in my heart. Love is at work in me. But if I'm taking account of a wrong done to me, if it's always about me, if it's always about me being noticed, me being recognized, my gifts being understood, it says that love is not proud, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant. It doesn't take account of a wrong done to it. It doesn't rejoice in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It's very easy to see how am I doing in the love of God, not doing in the love of God. We've been praying since really for months now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, corporate prayer, 8 o'clock. We know that God has spoken things over us. I know that he's spoken things over individuals here concerning a supernatural life, supernatural power, miracles, signs, and wonders. 
the harvest, people being born again. But also he keeps bringing back to us that there is something that stops up that flow. That when we come together in unity, there is to be a supernatural flow that moves and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That we all might be built up, that we all might have a confidence in moving in that. But where we're not allowing the love of God to flow, it keeps that from flowing. Because when you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and all the gifts of the Spirit, he said, listen, all the gifts of the Spirit may be fine, but without the love of God, they actually aren't accomplishing anything as they were set forth to accomplish. And God wants to show forth his hand and the Spirit of God through our lives, a supernatural life. I challenge you to read that. Staff, one day they, we came together, and certainly there's other people not staff. And God led me to say this. I was so glad with my staff that they did this. I'm going to ask this to you in, in closing. I'm sorry we're going a little bit long, but it's important. I believe it's important for us to consider. So we came into morning prayer. They weren't expecting it. They were probably thinking we're going to pray for the Ukraine or the church or families or whatever. And I just said, this has been working over me all night long. Uh, uh, God dealing with me that we need to start as leaders. I said, how many of you have something against someone? So easy to say, no, I don't, I don't. But they thought for a minute and they were honest and some raised their hand. And then I asked him this question, which there was some boldness that had to take place. I said, how many of you have something against me? Some said Yes. I said, we as leadership are not going to be the ones that stop up the flow. So we laid our hearts out before God. We said, we're releasing everybody. We're not having anything against anybody. We're not letting anything stop up the flow. So we're going to have to keep an eye on it. I can tell you that for sure because the enemy is there. But I can tell you as leaders, we're going to grow in the love of God. We're going to learn about this thing. We're not going to let anything that we know about, that the Spirit of God shows us get in the way. So I just present the same thing to you today. It's a challenge. You don't have to raise your hand. I made them raise their hand, but I won't make you. Do you have anything against anyone? Large or small, the Bible says, don't have anything against anyone. If you do, here's a great time, and the Spirit of God's here. Put it in his hands and let it go. Don't make an excuse for it. Let him take it. If you have anything against me, I'm sorry. You can be assured I never meant to do anything that would cause an offense or to hurt you in any way. I'm your pastor. I love you. But I know I make mistakes. I irritate people. My, my personality can rub people the wrong way. And I'm sorry. But I believe as a congregation, if we can be honest and let the love of God pour over us and release these things, you're going to see through your life supernatural miracles. And as a church, we're going to see an awakening and a reviving of the things that God has spoken over this church in a way that we didn't even dream about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we depend upon you right now in this moment. Sometimes things that we've picked up or things that have been done to us are hard. Can't let go of them by ourselves. But you're our helper. 
You're stronger than we are. You just need us to yield to you. So I pray right now for any person in this room that has any level or kind of ought against anyone, that you help them right now. Grab a hold of it right now and help them let go. Forgive and release it unto you once and for all. Whatever it may be, whoever it may be, they might be released into the supernatural, awesome life without restriction that you've called them to. That together as a church, we might rise up, begin to fulfill the call that you've placed upon us to reach out and show your goodness to others. And we encounter them that not only do we have a word of truth and love to plant in their hearts, but if necessary, we carry supernatural power to bring healing and deliverance and freedom, wholeness. We don't want that to be hindered in any way by anything. So we release that to you. And then we ask you to forgive us for holding that. That truly by your love, we might be free from it once and for all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for setting us free. Pour out your love. Those who are afraid of what might happen to them if they release that person, perfect love casts out all fear. Roll over them with your love. Embrace them that they might embrace you. That from this day forward, there's a freedom and a liberty a strength to withstand what might come against them and to stand in the love of God like never before. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for being patient with me this morning. I appreciate it. I really believe that it's important. Look forward to next week in Easter and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? <clears throat> Say what God did in Christ Jesus. Jesus.